This is Corinne. And this is Ayani. And you're listening to Sex, Love, Literature, a pop culture podcast where we take a semi-scholarly look at why and how the sex stuff in media matters. This episode, we continue our annual tradition of checking in about pop culture that has brought us joy in the past and present, and hopefully will continue to do so in the future. We cover what's sparking joy in January, our favorite pop culture of 2023, and what we're looking forward to in 2024. If you'd like to share your favorites of the past year, or what you're excited about coming up, follow us and let us know on Instagram at sexlovelit, and newly on our Tumblr at sexlovelitpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your other favorite podcast platforms where you can admire our new logo. All right, let's dive in. Happy New Year, SLL listeners. Hello. Oh my goodness. We are so excited to be back for 2024. Thank you for sticking it out with us for another year of, you know, listening to us talk about pop culture, but also just like life is a lot. So I appreciate you being here and using us as perhaps a a spot of joy sparked in your <laughs> in your day-to-day. So, of course, if you can see by the title, this is going to be our annual tradition of doing a What's Sparking Joy episode in which we think about the past year, the stuff that made us smile, and also what we're looking forward to in the coming year. But before we get into that, there's some, like, exciting SLO things that are happening that we would like to tell you all a little bit about. Um, Kurt and I have been doing this now for over three years, right? Our three-year anniversary was in August. Oh, wow. Yeah, because we started in 2020. <laughs> yep. In, in the heart of the pandemic or the early days of the pandemic, I When everyone say. was actually still locked down. Yeah. <laughs> Including us. Including us. Yeah, we were... Uh, in a pod together. So we would take walks and talk about the podcast. And I think fondly on those moments, even though it was in in the middle of a very weird and scary time. But, but that said, (laughs) since we've been doing (laughs) the podcast for quite some time, we wanted to do a little bit of a refreshing and rethinking and reorganizing. And the first thing that we are debuting along with this episode, you'll probably have noticed we have a brand new logo. Yay! What? Oh, it's so exciting. <laughs> um, so we've had this art piece by Charcool for a while, um, and I will put links to her Instagram and her Redbubble in the show notes, but we've kind of just been using it on our social, and we have had multiple people, including Corinne's students, (laughs) (laughs) tell us that it's super cute and we should use it more. Um, So we're really excited to have this piece that we absolutely adore represent our show in a bigger more exciting way so you'll be noticing if i haven't already done it already because like life be life in our branding and stuff like that will change across our socials and across where you listen to your favorite podcasts including us and that's a really exciting thing to kind of kick off the new year uh so keep an eye out for other exciting things that we'll be doing including one i think that is related to social media 
Yeah, so since we have, well, I don't know that we deleted our Twitter slash X account, but we no it's longer still there. use it. Yeah. It exists, but we're not <laughs> going to use it anymore. In the interest of being on social media in more than one place, we have started a Tumblr account. Yay! <laughs> uh, so you can find us on Tumblr at sexlovelitpodcast. Uh, we wanted to add podcast because <laughs> Tumblr does sometimes have a porn bot problem. <laughs> So we wanted to make it clear that that wasn't us. Uh, but for those of you who are unfamiliar with Tumblr, it's sort of an older platform that's like for blogging and reblogging and people mostly make and post a lot of GIFs, which we love. Mm, uh, but mm. we're also going to be using it for some more sort of long form text content. So, yeah. for example, on our on our new Tumblr account, you can find my rankings of all the C-dramas and K-dramas that I watched last year, which I did for the first time, which was very fun. Yeah, I, you went surprisingly in-depth. Like, I was a little overwhelmed kind of looking at the post, but then reading through, I was like, oh, this is really easy to read, and you make me interested in watching some of the things that you've discussed, so... Yeah, yeah so for each one, I kind of did... Well, I... Wrote down every K-drama in, in, like, two separate lists because K-dramas and C-dramas are playing different games, I think. Mm, but, mm -hmm. like, all of them that I watched, even if it was one that I started and quit or whatever, like, I would say, like, why I dropped it and then up to my top one. And then I have, like, my favorite OTPs, my favorite secondary ships, my favorite female characters, my favorite male characters. Uh, it was kind of nice to, like think back on all the dramas that I've watched this mm. year. And, like, it was a really, really strong C-drama year for me, I think. Mm. How many do you think you're at now for C-dramas and K-dramas? Oh, uh, I can tell you. Ooh, drum roll. <laughs> Let's find out. So looking at my list, I am, and this does include some that I didn't finish, but I am at 128 K-dramas. Oh, boy. <laughs> and 24 C-dramas. <laughs> it's funny because I thought you would have more C-dramas, but it's because those are longer. They are so long. So... This is a little bit of a tangent, but I visited Ayani and her spouse, Andrew, uh, in December. Spouse of the show. <laughs> spouse of the show. <laughs> but I'm sorry. I, I visited them and was like, yeah, like, and I was talking to Andrew about how many dramas I had watched. And I was like, yeah, like, I did watch, like, 20-ish K-dramas and only 10 C-dramas. But then, like, we did the math of how many C-drama episodes I watched this year. Mm -hmm. And it is upwards of 400. <laughs> Jesus. Like, they're so long. <laughs> That's a lot of time. It is. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's not. I'm sure it's like less than 200 episodes. Like, it's not that much. I'm full of crap. It is so much C-drama time. <laughs> yeah, and those episodes are like 45 real minutes. Like, it's not like 45 with commercial breaks. Like, yeah, they're consistent. No, no commercial breaks. They do sometimes have like long opening credits and closing credits. Oh, I so. count that, though. Like, if you watch them, that's part of the experience. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, I am... See, it's so weird, because I feel like I am still a C-drama beginner. Like, I'm still in the Girl, 20s. 400 episodes. Yeah, but I haven't seen that many shows. Uh, but how long... Okay, we're getting off the rails here, but this is a real <laughs> question. This is a real question. How much do you think it takes to not be a beginner anymore? Because, like, so... I think if someone watched 20 K-dramas, or... Going to a different medium, right? If someone mm -hmm. watched 20 anime, I wouldn't call them a beginning anime fan. I'd be like, oh, you just like this stuff now. You're an anime fan. So if you like started mm. with, oh, I don't know, 
I'm watching Dragon Ball Z because that's what all my friends are watching. And now you're like, yeah, I'm watching, I don't know, Sword Art Online and Boogie Bop Phantom. I'm like, no, you're in it, bro. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> even if it's only 20 series, like you're in it. You're making consistent decisions to come back to it. You know what I mean? That's true. I, I guess maybe I will no longer feel like a beginner when I've seen a couple more of the classics. So like I need to watch mm. like Nirvana and Fire. I need to watch maybe like joy in life like there are, are some like sort of big name drums i should watch and when i am no longer as surprised by some of the genre turns that are like conventional okay okay i'll give you that i think i i put more credence in you being a little less surprised by the genre turns or being mm-hmm. able to pick up like the tropes and trappings mm-hmm. right of and i will say of a specific because like for example you like mostly historical sea dramas yeah i mostly only watch historicals and the fantasy sea dramas i've only seen a handful of contemporaries and i don't plan on watching many more (laughs) yeah so that's but that's kind of like if you start being a little bit more familiar with those fantasy historical sea drama tropes then Mm -hmm. then i'll give you that yeah because i mean a, a, a good series you know it's always nice to be a little surprised but that was a really interesting aside. I'm glad that we went down this path. <laughs> you know, not not to rush us along, but I know we have a lot of ground to cover because we're talking 2023, 2024, and also, as we like to do, our, predict- our predictions for this coming year. So why don't we just dive right into it with what's sparking joy for us right now? Corinne, what is... What's Sparking Joy? If this is someone's first SLL episode that they're listening to. So What's Sparking Joy is when we take a moment to recognize something that we are watching, reading, or listening to right now that is sparking joy (laughs) for us. So, Ayani, what is sparking joy for you? That was a great question. So I actually had to think about this a little bit, uh, which is kind of funny because I feel like we're both constantly engaging with media but i had Mm -hmm. just finished like a book and a series and i was like i don't know nothing sparking joy for me and that's not true so i went to my very long list of webtoons (laughs) (laughs) and i picked lady liar by mara paz villar or viar perhaps which i read her previous series mrs abbott and the doctor and this is her more recent one i think that it started within maybe like the last year year and a half Uh, And I love it. Her art style is very interesting because the comic itself is pencils. So there's no coloring, uh, very minimal shading. But her character art is delicious and beautiful. And everyone has their own little flair and it's fun. It's cartoony, but still kind of leans a little bit towards realism. What what genre is it, would you say? Historical rom-com. Okay. Yeah. So it's set, I don't know maybe like late 1800s, Um, and super quick synopsis, a young woman, the titular lady liar, uh, she's from a lower class, and she needs a job, and she lies to get a job as a lady's companion for a wealthier young lady Mm -hmm. whose mother wants her to get married, uh, but the young lady just cares about her art and wants to be an artist. So there's kind of like these folds and layers of intrigue where – the main character is very supportive of the young woman and loves her art and is like, your art is fantastic and you're great, but also in the back of her mind, she knows in order to get paid, she needs to get this girl married. (laughs) So one of my friends, Libby, actually won't read it because she's stressed out by the premise, but (laughs) it's actually really funny and cute and it's 
fun little romantic entanglements and where I am, there was the first kiss that we've been waiting for. You know how these slow burns go. They take a long oh, time. Yeah. Well, especially on webtoons when they drop like weekly. Yeah. You'd be waiting like a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can. <laughs> um, but recently there was a kiss and I'm very excited about it. And I'm, I am dreading when the lie comes to light, mm. right? Because they are all like it's, friends it's now. Coming. It's coming. But like we've already had a kiss and people are in their feelings. Ooh. And yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So like they're, it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. But also like the male love interest. There's been, he's, he's picking up some stuff. He's not a, he's not unawares, let's say. There might have been some knives pulled out. <laughs> literally or figuratively literally oh okay girl had to threaten somebody but but but. sometimes you gotta sometimes you gotta so anyhow (laughs) lady liar is a lot of fun it's on the webtoon platform it is still ongoing so it's not daily pass so if you picked it up now you could catch up to me and be as stressed as i am for when the truth comes out but that's what sparking joy for me corinne what is sparking joy for you so, over break, while I was home with my family, I watched the Korean drama, surprise, surprise, <laughs> uh, Link, colon, Eat, Love, Kill. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's a title. Yeah. So, I mean, it aired in 2022, but sort of fell victim to the ways that Disney Plus has kind of screwed up the K-drama mm. streaming ecosystem. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it is now, for those listeners in the United States, available on Hulu. Uh And it is a very fun drama that combines uh, rom-com, murder mystery, psychological thriller with, like, a dash of magical realism. (laughs) What? You gave me a face when I said historical rom-com and then you throw, like, 15 genres out. Okay, so it's one of those K-dramas that reminded me how much I like when K-dramas genre mix and, like, balance it in a really fun way. Mm, so, like, mm-hmm. kind of kind of the premise is that the main character, who is played by Moon Kao Young, who is also in True Beauty and in The Interest of Love. So, mm. one of our favorite actresses yeah, here on the show. Yeah, I like her. I like her. She's very fun. But she ends up with this telepathic link with a chef. Uh, and she doesn't know about it, but he starts feeling her emotions. So, like, when she's sad, he'll start crying. When she's happy, he'll start <laughs> laughing. Everyone thinks he's insane. Uh, <laughs> you know. Totally, as, as you do. Totally mm-hmm. normal stuff. Uh, but it turns out that they grew up. This is a little bit of a spoiler, but really only for the first episode. So this is just set up. Um, mm. But they grew up in the same neighborhood. And his twin sister, when he was young, uh, who he originally had the telepathic link with, uh, was kidnapped and murdered as a child. Oh, Jesus. So in the present moment, uh, they are they get to know each other. They're, that's the rom-com element. They end up mm-hmm. living across the street from each other. And then she also has a whole deal with like her own stalker. And there is this, there is this bit that is so funny to me. And my mom was concerned that I found it so funny. <laughs> With, like, a dead body in a fridge. (laughs) And, like, so what, again, a tiny bit of a spoiler, but, like, at the beginning, there's, like, a mystery that they think this body is in the fridge that, like, people need to not find for reasons, but they think it's there. And I'm not explaining this very well, but I also don't want to spoil it. But then it comes back, like, 12 episodes later, Mm -hmm. like, after the original body fridge mystery is solved, it comes back. 
and there's another body in the fridge. <laughs> and I just like when we like see it, I just like buzzed it out laughing. And after we like watched that episode, my mom was like, "Why did you laugh? Like, why is that funny?" And I was like, "Because, because it's very ironic that this person's body was in the fridge again." So. Not my usual genre, but that's the psychological uh, thriller murder mystery aspect of it. The rom-com part's also great. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on your mom being like, Corinne, this is tragic. And you're like, actually, it's deeply hilarious. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> it's dramatic irony. <sighs> anyway, Link, Eat, Love, Kill much more fun than eat pray love i would say uh streaming on hulu but <laughs> if you if you're not sold by like you know multiple bodies in fridges like you know Woo. okay so that's that's what's sparking joy right now for us but we're going to take <laughs> a little trip back into time to the year 2023 which low-key i feel like people had mixed feelings about i don't think anybody was like wow 2023 was my year everyone i talked to was like uh i survived uh well and like not to go too far afield but like 2023 was rough but like 2024 is like also looking rougher i don't don't put it out there no (laughs) we're gonna be positive okay we're gonna cross our fingers that 2024 I know there's there's a lot like I was even trying to be positive and my brain was like yeah but what about this and what about that and what about this so mm-hmm. yeah yeah so we're gonna look at media specifically from the past year to think about joy that is sparked rather than I don't know concerns that are raised or something <laughs> joy that is sparked rather than concerns that are raised <laughs> I mean that's a nice grammatical parallel structure there <laughs> I'm working on the fly here. We didn't take notes about, like, turns of phrase and jokes that I should be making. This is all live. Or it won't, I guess not live. But you know what I mean. Everyone knows what I mean. (laughs) Unscripted. Unscripted. Yes, that's the word. Um, So the way we're going to break up our review of the past is, of course, we're going to have kind of a couple things that we spend a little bit more time on Uh, talking about our emotions and our reactions but we wanted to do kind of like a rapid fire round of like back and forth five quick things that really spoke to us in the year because i will say even though 2023 was a lot there was a lot of really really good media that Mm -hmm. came out across the board like i know i've watched some videos with andrew about like how great the games were that came out in 2023 and i think there were a lot of great films and television shows and comics and things like that so 2023 was a good year for media and we wanted to make sure to highlight some of the things that we really loved that rose to the top uh, even if we wanted to dedicate additional time to kind of other properties so corinne to start us off all right so first lost you forever season one chinese historical fantasy drama we did three episodes on it i don't really have a lot else to say i love it uh you should listen to our episodes and also watch it ayani what about you? Ooh, back to me. All right. So my first one that I'm going to throw out is The Boy and the Heron, which is the most recent Studio Ghibli film that I believe is still in theaters if you wanted to go watch it. It is a very interestingly constructed film that thinks about grief and moving forward and life, mothers, parentage, all that kind of stuff. I loved it. I thought it was really bizarre. It was a lot of, you know, I want to say it was a lot of fun, but 
it was gorgeous. I think it was gorgeous and it made me feel things. A lot of my things coming up, I'm just warning you guys, I guess I'm in my sad girl era or whatever, but a lot of the things <laughs> that I'm going to bring up are like, yes, it's about grief and it made me sad and I felt things. But anyhow, The Boy and the Heron, it's great. Um, Miyazaki's question mark maybe final film. So, all right. Next up. Number two right. on your list. <laughs> Number two for me is the webtoon Kiss Bet by Ingrid uh, Ochoa. Uh, she is a Mexican cartoonist, or a cartoonist from Mexico, I should say. And Kiss Bet is a very, very fun contemporary high school rom-com. It has a great ensemble cast, and we are mm-hmm. finally getting places with Sarah Lynn and Ooh. Oliver Ooh. in the present moment. You should check it out. It's very fun. It we love Kiss Bet. It, yeah, Kiss Bet sparks a lot of joy. It sparks joy every Friday night for me. <laughs> oh, I, I read it Saturday morning. It's my Saturday morning. Like, I don't want to get out of bed, but reading Kiss Bet will get me there. So, oh, that was a good one. I know we're not lingering, but that was a good one. <laughs> so I'm cheating. Um, my second one is just going to be overall the state of great animation. And I'm excited for the things that are coming this year, but I really wanted to shout out Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse as two standouts from last year. Mm. I talk about Spider-Verse, I think, every time we've done a Sparking Joy, so I didn't want to give it, like, a whole bunch of time. But I did really want to say that these two movies really pushed on what we think about traditional animation was playing with how we look at things was playing with voice acting i thought the ninja turtles movie was so so fun andrew and i still quote it to each other and make jokes especially because like one of the turtles is absolutely my son like if you watch it (laughs) you'll know which one is like oh yes that one belongs to iani uh and they were making fun of like new york and new jersey but in a loving way which i kind of was like yeah okay we do talk like that it's fine (laughs) so anyhow that's my number two animation is awesome but in particular teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem and spider-man across the spider-verse which i think oh quick quick shout out to spider-man across the spider-verse that is the thing you were looking forward to for the past two years on this episode and this time it actually came out (laughs) yes it's true it's true i was looking forward to this for a long time the film made me feel a lot of things but i think in part because i don't know when the third one is coming out for too long especially since you know there might be a well we'll see what happens with the animators guild in 2024 uh yeah yeah so anyhow that's my number two number three on the current side uh so number three for me is the chinese drama the story of kuning palace it is currently available on iqi uh and it stars this was the year of Bailu for me, I think. She is a Chinese actress, and I'm late to the party. She's been famous forever. But <laughs> it is a transmigration narrative in an age in which transmigration narratives are not actually allowed by the censors, so they do some hand-wavy narrative stuff to get around that. Mm, but she basically mm-hmm. has a rise to power as an evil empress dies, in like, tragically, Uh, in like a rebellion and then wakes up when she's 18 again and is like i'm gonna try this again and not screw everybody over that i know Uh, (laughs) and it's very fun she has chemistry with literally everybody including some like pretty sapphic coated stuff with the princess Mm -hmm. uh, which is super fun Uh, it's also a fun role for bailu because she's even though she's, like, going back to try and be a better person the second time around, she's still, like, a fairly unpleasant person who dislikes most people. <laughs> and it's very much, like, like saving people is, like, a chore 
Like I like I don't want you to die, but I'm very annoyed that I have to do this. <laughs> so it's very fun. I highly recommend it. You know, it's funny because I know you're trying to sell me on another seat drama right now, but I might be sold more on Cooning Palace. We'll I mean, see. I would not be unhappy if you watched Cooning Palace. Like my top three, not to go down sea drama lane again which i will continue to go down more this episode it's totally fine the people know what to expect from you <laughs> my top three sea dramas were all pretty close together like mm. they were they were all really really fantastic like it was a really strong sea drama year so we'll see what happens with that that might be sparking joy for me in a few episodes we'll find out <laughs> number three for me on the ayani side is american fiction which is an adaptation of the book Erasure by Percival Everett. So this was actually literally the last movie I saw of the year. Andrew and I, to kind of like bring in 2024, went to see a movie on New Year's Eve because we're dorks. You are And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and American Fiction was the one we chose. And I'm really glad that we went to see it. It was a fantastic film. It was well acted. The story was compelling and interesting super quick synopsis it is about uh, an a writer whose name is Thelonious so I'm forgetting his last name I should have written down but he's played by Jeffrey Wright who has been in a lot of roles I'm sure if you saw his face you'd recognize him mm -hmm. um but Monk's work is not or Thelonious his work is not selling well and it there's this kind of commentary on what it means to be black what it means to be a black writer mm -hmm. what it means to represent blackness in literature in film uh plus there's this whole family drama element to it uh including he has his siblings played by Sterling K Brown and Tracy Ellis Ross who are fantastic in these roles and then I was also happy to see Erica Alexander in the film she was an actress on Living Single back in the 90s and I like her a lot so it was nice to see her face um but it was great I think we made a lot of smart commentary it was a lot of fun it was really fucking funny too oh. which was great so was it like I, sort of dark comedy dark humor kinds of stuff uh, sardonic it was okay. more sardonic comedy because you know it'd be stuff like not to, to spoil too much, but I'm sure if you've seen the trailers, you've seen this, but like he pretends to be a felon who may or may not have been convicted for murder when he's a creative writing professor <laughs> <laughs> and like probably went to an Ivy League school. Like, you know, he's that kind of a person. Yeah. And then is kind of like, yeah, I done did the thing. Because it's, it's all, you know, like it's, it's a satire. So there's those yeah. levels of humor. But but it's really smart and it does some really smart things and I highly recommend checking it out. It might still be in theaters also, but I loved it. So that's my thing number three. So thing number four for me is a book. A Imagine book? that. <laughs> Breaking new ground here on SLL. Books. Uh, so I really liked The Marquis Who Mustn't by Courtney Milan, who we've mentioned on the show before, particularly mm -hmm. in our Regency Romance episode. Uh, but The Marquis Who Mustn't is the second in a sort of romance, not it's a series in the way that, like, they do a lot of romance novels in the same world, but, like, it's a complete mm -hmm, story. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's set in, like, the late 1800s-ish in an imagined town of East Asian immigrants in oh, Great Britain. So, like, a lot of Chinese immigrants, a lot of Japanese immigrants, and it's mm -hmm. it's this really interesting, like, historical structure that she's built. Uh, but this in this one, there is – the setup is that there is a – 
con man essentially who comes to town and has like this great con planned but he was engaged as a child to one of the other women in this town and then he meets her and through a series of events they have a fake engagement that becomes a real engagement but also Ooh, we love a like, fake engagement but also he's like gonna con somebody uh <laughs> we don't know who i don't know but it's it's really funny and charming and the historical detail is really interesting and there's a lot about like pottery in a way that was super interesting and like very culturally specific about like what kinds of bowls are good for like eating rice (laughs) which sounds really kind of dorky and i'm certainly oversimplifying it because it's been a few months since i've read it but like she's very specific about like so like the main character for example the main female character is really small and has really small hands so she always makes a mess eating eating rice with chopsticks because her hands are too small to hold the bowl so when the male lead makes her a bowl that is the right size for her hands and the right depth to be eating rice she suddenly can eat without making a mess and like it's really really lovely yeah that would that would do it for me actually as as a small person who (laughs) has issues sometimes when things are too big for her to deal with that sounds really you uh, well, you know yeah, what i'm trying like, to say she has, she has this whole reputation of being a klutz and a slob and like that's just her that's just how she is but it's not it's because the bowls were the wrong size for her so it, it makes such a difference when i don't know pe- people first design <laughs> it can make a huge difference let's just say yeah so the marquis who mustn't by courtney milan proud of you for reading a book so next for me uh, i have being monsters by julia butling so this is a webtoon that i came across quite accidentally i think it was a recommendation while i was reading something else and i was like ah that looks interesting let me click on it so it is a beauty and the beast retelling set in germany in present day germany but the quote-unquote beauty character is a grumpy <laughs> she's like in her 20s activist vegan all right oh. I, I like feel like i know that person in real life <laughs> i'm not i'm not gonna say one way or the other <laughs> if this is a person that we actually know but she's really compelling because she's kind of unlikable actually mm-hmm. but she has a like a Statford Terrier style dog who is super sweet. His name is Dandelion and everyone's afraid of him because he's a Statford Terrier style. Uh, And he gets lost in the forest and in trying to find him, she comes across this like passage of nettles, has to crawl through it and there's a really freaky, scary monster on the other side. And the fifth chapter of the webtoon just ended and we were finally having the main hero. She's entering into the castle of the beast. So it's it's got a somewhat darker tone, but not from the sense of like, oh God, I'm worried that she's not going to make it out of here mm-hmm. kind of a thing. But the art is gorgeous. There's a lot of fun visual things that the cartoonist is doing in building the scenes together and how the camera is placed and all that kind of stuff. And it's really interesting, too, because it's coming from a different cultural context. Mm -hmm. So there are some notes kind of about what things mean in German or how, for example, um, 
pit bulls, those kinds of dogs, they have to pass certain tests to go out in public unmuzzled to show that they're not dangerous. Mm. So there's this kind of like real, like I know that people have prejudices against pit bulls in this country, but there's like a, I don't know, like ingrained in the law kind of prejudice against those kinds of dogs, like which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Codified, so, I guess. Yeah, codified. That's the word I want. There's like a codified prejudice against those dogs. And Dandelion has passed all the tests. He can be out without a muzzle. But like that's something that comes back up in the story is how people relate to the dog. So it's interesting. I think it's great. It's on a break right now. This is another good one that if you want to check it out, it's available on the Webtoon platform. This is not one of their Webtoon originals, but is a canvas story. So because it's a smaller creator – I think I think it's really great to give those folks shine and take a look at their work. So Being Monsters, it's really cool. Check it out. And then the last rapid fire one for me, I don't know how rapid fire we've actually been, but we tried. Uh, it's been like 10 minutes. So that's pretty <laughs> fast, I would say. I, uh, the last one for me, I've mentioned it before, but I would be remiss to talk about my pop culture of 2023 without mentioning it is the Chinese drama, Till the End of the Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have described it in the past as love between fairy and devil's angry cousin, which I stand by. Uh, <laughs> you never said that to me. That's funny. <laughs> but it, again, stars uh, by Lu as Li Su Su who it opens at the end of the world. The devil god has just killed everybody she knows and loves in front of her. Uh, So she goes back in time to prevent his rise to power, uh, meets him when he's a pathetic human, and needs to stop him from becoming the devil god. Obviously, they fall in love, but... And this kind of reminds me, actually, of you talking about your your thing from What's Barking Joy at the beginning, because Mm -hmm. their love story from the beginning is set up with her coming... To, ki- mm-hmm. to kill him, to stop him. Mm-hmm. So when he thinks that she is the only person who has ever truly loved him and then she betrays him, it is extremely devastating. Uh, I'll Oof. add the caveat that the end is a little bit of a mess, largely for censorship reasons and because they had to cut down from 50 episodes to 40 and all of, all of the various caveats with Chinese dramas. But I was so obsessed with Till the End of the Moon for like a solid two months. Yeah, you were. Mm-hmm. That like I... I still like with the, with the caveat that you can take the ending with a grain of salt. I still love it, and I'm still really glad that I watched it. And it was a very definitive C drama for me. Yeah, I'm glad you watched it too, even if the ending was a bit of a mess. It was worth. It was still worth the ride. And to round things out, I have a guest in the house by Emily Carroll. This is Carroll's most recent work. I think it's her longest work actually, and it's it's really interesting. It's gorgeous. I know I've been saying that, but like. Honestly, all of the comics and art that I've been talking about is gorgeous in its own way. And if you're not familiar with Emily Carroll, she's a well-known, prolific horror cartoonist out of Canada. And yeah, this text thinks it's about a woman who marries a dentist whose wife is dead, gone missing, question mark, we don't know. And it's about how she is dealing with what it means to be married, what it means to be a stepmother, when there is also perhaps a weird ghostly presence in the house. Mm. <laughs> so it's it's a really, really interesting text. It's one I want to go back and read again, and I kind of have to because I'm going to be teaching it. <laughs> so there's sapphic, not subtext, but in the text <laughs> stuff that's happening. I don't want to talk about how or why because that's a little bit of a spoiler, but I think it's it's 
there's interesting layering happening about this woman who is m married to a man, but perhaps is looking for different kinds of desires and sense of purpose and being in other places. So I will leave it at that. I I will say it is not my favorite piece that Carol has ever done, but I think she's great. <laughs> and I think it's worth reading all of her work if you can get your hands on it. So a guest is in the she, house. Is she one of your favorite cartoonists, do you think? I would think so. Okay. I would think so. Because she, com she comes up for you a lot in your work. Yeah. I think it's weird because, like, I'm scared of horror. <laughs> mm -hmm. Horror is frightening to me, but I keep coming back to Carol, so I guess that means she's one of my favorite. Yeah. So I highly recommend it. Check it out. A guest in the house. Pay cartoonists <laughs> by her work. <laughs> and with that, that'll round out our rapid fire five things from 2023 that we really enjoyed which means that we can spend a little bit more time with the next couple of things that we have chosen which is great because i want to hear a bit more about yours and i want to talk a bit more about mine so i know or i hope rather that this episode isn't too rapid fire for people listening i just know there's a lot of very interesting texts that we want to mention and we want to make sure that all of them get their shine so back to you, Corinne. What is, if we're talking like top two favorite things of 2023, what's one you'd like to spend a little bit of time on today? So the first one I'm going to mention is a Korean drama called Call It Love. Ooh. It's another one of those that got caught in the Disney Plus net, <laughs> uh, but is now available on Hulu. And I watched it earlier in the year. And it is a really, really lovely slice of life melodrama um, about th these two main characters who are basically just very, like, sad, miserable people, but because of mm. the actions, in large part because of their parents, and okay. because of their parents, like, part particularly, um, so the main, uh, the female lead's father had an affair with the male lead's mother, essentially and like it broke up their home oh. and then they end up oh dear af after it starts with the death of the female lead's father okay um and i'm a little bit hazy on the details so sorry if i misre misrepresent anything but it starts with the death of her father she and her siblings essentially don't get anything mm. and are going to lose the house oh so she hears through the grapevine that the male lead's business is going to benefit from the sale of this house. And so she decides that she needs revenge. Uh, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure, why not? Cool. Obviously. Well, so she ends up getting a job at his company and then learns, like, more of the truth of things. And it's a very, very layered healing sort of drama. It's, mm. it's kind of interesting to talk about because it is a largely very understated drama it is a lot more about things that people don't say than about mm. the things that people say and things that people don't do or almost do and decide not to than it is about things that they do interesting but it was so people should definitely check it out because it's super super good and i it, it really i think was done a disservice by how it was released in the united states uh, i know it's um sarah at kdrama this who we are friends with on instagram it's her <laughs> one of her top dramas of the year that she thinks people more people should check out and i agree what is it that makes this a drama you think people should check out like is it kind of the the quietness of it what what brings it to the top for you 
I think the quietness of it and the really layeredness of the performances, particularly mm. of the two main characters, but I also really loved the second female lead, so the female lead sister. Oh, okay. Uh, who at the beginning has th- there's this really interesting trend in K dramas lately. I and this, maybe this is common knowledge, but basically trying to reframe women who have affairs sometimes like with men when men are lying about being married and then it's like the other woman but she didn't know Mm. and trying to reframe that as like not her fault um because until until recently i think it was i think it was like until recently a crime like a something you could be prosecuted for in south korea i didn't know that yeah but it has that same kind of opening and like doom at your service and like it's kind of a thing but she has this the female lead sister has this violent confrontation at work where her boyfriend's wife or a girlfriend i don't remember shows up at her work and like assaults like physically assaults her oh god um and she has a very like traumatic response to it that was very layered and realistic to me Mm. and i also just it was really interesting and moving and also stressful to watch the female lead in this like like she has chosen this path to revenge Mm -hmm. but even but is starting to regret it but also like is stuck on it and like she's almost like i I watched it this at the same time i was watching till the end of the moon which had a very weird resonance of like Mm. oh like i have this budding relationship with this person that i legitimately am starting to love but also like i am here fully under false pretenses and is it possible to ever come back from that once this Mm. lie is revealed and how far can i go before i have to reveal it or before it's taken out of my hands. <sighs> stressful. <laughs> We're talking about a lot of stressful media today. So, Ayani, what is one of the top two things that you want to spend more time thinking about in this episode? Ooh, all right. So, <laughs> this is an old book. It is not from 2023. I think it actually was published in, like, 2014, 2015, but I wanted to talk a little bit about Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie. Have you read Ancillary Justice? I have not. At all? No? Okay. So, super quick synopsis. Ancillary Justice is a science fiction story set in, I mean, obviously it is, well, not obviously, in a fictional part of the universe, there is a colonial power known as the Rach, I believe, Radich, R-A-D-C-H, and they control a fleet of ships, mercies, justices, and swords that are all run by AI. And the AI on some of these ships have bodies that are called ancillaries that are obtained by means that you would expect from a colonial empire, let's Ah. say. (laughs) neat and these yeah neat indeed and these bodies are hooked up to the ai to become extensions of the ai so they kind of lose who they are and are now just ai meat puppets which ooh feels a little close to home in the current times that we live in but that's neither here nor there uh so the story is about an ancillary who has been let's say separated from their ship so they are now just their body And the AI is kind of trapped in a single physical space. And the first book is pretty much about this person's quest to 
kill the leader of this colonial power. <laughs> Your expression was great oh. when I said that. <laughs> but it's, it's – so it's super smart sci-fi. I don't want to give too much away because I felt like every page that I turned, something else fun and interesting was being uncovered. But I just really, really liked reading this book. I enjoyed the way that they were playing with – well, I guess this is kind of a spoiler but not – in the language of this colonial power, uh, everyone is a she, right? So regardless of people's gender expression, she is kind of just all that's used mm -hmm. to talk about people in this particular language. I would say – I pronounced it like radchai in my brain when I was reading it, but I don't know if that's quite correct. So there's interesting things that are happening with gender and how you read characters and – how characters are talked about and discussed and how you're putting things together. And there's murder, there's intrigue, <laughs> there's, you know, love and questions of love and conversations of what it means to relate to one another, what it means to get revenge. Mm -hmm. And the main character, known as Breck, is super compelling. I'm really, I really enjoyed following this kind of like AI in a human body mm -hmm. and how they made sense of the world and how – she just kind of moves, moves through the existence of knowing what she was versus what she is now and how she like puts all, not puts all the pieces together, but like figures out, it, it, it plays with both what it means to be human, right? What we expect it means to be human. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, it, it's just fun. I think it's sci-fi at its best. And I know for me, my reading experience was particularly interesting when it comes to how the text was playing with gender because mm -hmm. I would just – because she was being used, right? But also my own proclivities, I would just default that everyone was female, mm -hmm. right? And that kind of changed because it's a trilogy. It's the first in a trilogy. But how I was thinking about characters and how I was kind of like transforming them and changing them in my brain as I was reading was a really interesting experience that I haven't experienced before in reading texts. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I love it. If you haven't read Ancillary Justice and you're a science fiction person, I highly recommend checking it out because it plays it plays with a lot of tropes in a way that I think are smart and engaging. And yeah, so Ancillary Justice was one of my top things because like I read a book <laughs> and it was good and wild. You remembered you know, how to read? I yeah, I think last year was the year I actually remembered how to read. So it took me, hmm, what is that? Almost two years. <laughs> To remember after graduating? Maybe I mean, not. Like, like a year and a half. A year and a year. some change. So taking the proverbial mic, <laughs> since we both have mics. Uh. <laughs> you know, it would be nice if we recorded in the same room, but, you know, teleportation does not exist. And Alas. planes are expensive. But So one of my very, very favorite pieces of pop culture this year was the Chinese drama A Journey to Love. Again, do not judge a drama by its title. Chinese dramas get the wackiest <laughs> names in English. Like, it's it's like a joke almost. Like, it'll have this super clever metaphorical, like, allegorical name in Chinese. And then in English, it's like, my journey to you or, like, whatever. And it's like, <laughs> okay, whatever. Like, there, there are literally – this is a tangent. This is a – unrelated rant but there are two dramas right now airing called in english sword and fairy like oh so that wasn't a joke there are no, really two dramas there are with really the same two name dramas right now airing with the same name that means nothing anyway a journey to love 
Not to be confused oh with My Journey to You, which aired several months before it. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh-huh. Uh, but A Journey to Love, uh, again, airing on Aichi, is this really, really lovely Chinese historical drama. Uh, it's a martial arts-esque kind of drama, so like the wuxia uh, genre. Mm. And it is about... Okay, so it's about a lot of people, because one of the highlights of this drama for me was the ensemble cast. But the two main characters are this female assassin named Ren Ruyi, and she basically has been presumed dead by the assassin organization that she was trained by. Uh, She was... The Empress died, and she was framed for the Empress's murder, and she, like, sort of disappeared, went off the grid, and through a series of events kind of comes back on to the grid, because her original kingdom and the kingdom that she's been in go to war with each other, and the kingdom that she's been in loses, and their emperor is taken captive. Oh, no. And through the series of events, she meets the head of the rival spy assassin organization in this other kingdom and he actually like has been kind of been deposed and had wanted to disappear but then sort of gets dragged back in by the people in power in order to go rescue this ridiculous emperor who insisted on going to battle himself only to be taken (laughs) captive and like it's a whole thing so basically she because she wants revenge and to find out what happened to the empress who was like her mother figure uh all of your stories you're like revenge revenge this is the year of revenge for me clearly Uh, (laughs) i'm over here crying and you're like revenge yeah and he's like a touching story about grief and i'm like nope (laughs) murder but she ends up joining the, the male lead, who is the head of Ludow House. So she's the former, uh, one of the heads of the Scarlet Guards, and he's the head of Ludow House. Mm-hmm. She ends up joining their delegation to go back to her home kingdom uh, to get the emperor back uh, with this Ooh. huge ransom. And here's another catch. Uh, they ins- the emperor of her home kingdom insists that they send a prince to deliver the ransom. There mm. are no princes to spare, Besides for the one that is currently, like, acting as regent in the absence of the emperor. Mm-hmm. So the little princess who was grown up in the cold palace because her mother was an unfavored concubine. I think her mother actually was a palace maid who was raised posthumously to, like, the status of concubine. So she, like, has not had, like, a great life. Volunteers mm-hmm. to cross-dress as a prince to deliver this <laughs> ransom. <laughs> Oh, this is zany. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, yes. But so Ren Ruyi, who is the female lead, ends up being the tutor governess teacher uh, mm-hmm. for this this poor little princess <laughs> and to help them try and get back the emperor. And it's really interesting because Yan Zhao, the male lead, basically knows so he brings these four other guys with it's like a band of brothers kind of situation they're Mm, all mm -hmm. delightful they're so fun it's (laughs) such a fun cast but they all basically know it's a suicide mission Mm, and their chances mm -hmm. of coming their chances of coming back alive are very slim like their their chances of getting the emperor back of all of these things, like, they're not likely to succeed. Because not only does, like, 
does the country holding their emperor captive not want them to bring him back? The emperor is an asshole. And (laughs) that's a problem. And the regent who is ostensibly sending them to get back his brother also doesn't want the emperor to come back. And the em- his empress, who is pregnant, also doesn't want the emperor to come back because she wants to be the dowager empress. Mm, so, like, mm-hmm. they are being sent on this mission that everybody wants to fail. Stress. Stress. Yeah. But it is just such a fun ensemble cast, and they have such fun developing relationships. And w- one of the greatest things about it and one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it is that the mm. relationship between Ruyi and Yang Zhao, the like the main romantic relationship, is just so lovely and balanced mm. because they are both like at the top of their field of murder. killing people. Yeah, mm-hmm. the top of their field of murder. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they they are very much equals, and it's it's so funny when it starts out because Ruyi, her the things that she wants to do are a get revenge for the Empress and b have a baby because the empress told her she should have a baby and live a normal life <laughs> so like okay obviously she has not like thought further about this she's like well the empress is perfect and the empress told me to do this so like obviously i must so she meets yun Zhao, who is also perfect and is like i think you should be the father of my baby probably and he's like excuse me what <laughs> what <laughs> And they, like, he has this whole thing about, like, oh, well, like, but I don't want to get romantically entangled. Like, I want to retire. And she's like, hold on. I didn't say I want to get romantically entangled. I said I wanted a baby. <laughs> Those are not the same. <laughs> so while they, ha- while they have these, like, competing motivations and competing goals, they end up having this really lovely, like, cooperation and... They support each other really well, and it's just, like, a very adult relationship Mm. because they're both in their, like, early 30s as opposed to Mm. a lot of the more, Mm -hmm. like, late teen, early 20s kinds of stories that are told here. But they also both know that, like, most most assassins, most people in their field, most spies die by the time they reach 30. So they're also, like, the most senior people Mm. Mm -hmm. around. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting drama, so I'm going to contrast it a little bit with Lost You Forever. Sure. Um, because Lost You Forever is a very long story. Like, it takes place over hundreds of years. Yeah. And that is one of the things I like about it. Like, I really like how long everything takes and how much Lost You Forever is about waiting. Mm. But A Journey to Love, on the other hand, takes place in the span of, like, a couple months, maybe. It's a oh, very okay. short story. Mm-hmm. But... It takes place, like, after a lot of things have already happened. Like, Rui Mm. has already become, like, the most famous assassin for, like, all of these jobs that she's done. She has already disappeared. Like, Mm -hmm. it's already kind Mm -hmm. of the end. And, like, Yuan Zhao has already, like, revamped Luda House and, like, done all of this stuff. And then been deposed and is, like, being pulled in for, like, one last job. Like, it's Mm. the end of a story rather than, like, a long story. And it's really, really lovely, and the ensemble cast is great. And also, I didn't talk about her as much, but the the little princess's journey from being, like, just an abandoned princess in the cold palace to, like, a strong, like, political actor in her Mm, own right mm -hmm. who makes her own choices is also just really, really wonderful. Sounds awesome. I can see why you want me to watch it. (laughs) Yeah, I've been trying. We'll see if my uh, propaganda campaign fails or (laughs) succeeds. So kind of picking up on your thread... 
of after a lot of things have happened. I know I've talked about Free Ren Beyond Journey's End in Sparking Joy segments before, but it's really risen to be a story that I deeply appreciate watching every week. So it started airing last year in 2023, and it is ongoing into the 2024, I guess this is the winter anime season. I know I've talked about it before, but briefly, Free Ren is an elf. She's close to a thousand years old, perhaps. She, about a hundred years ago, went on a journey with three other folks, including a priest, a dwarf warrior, and a hero named Himmel to defeat the Demon King. Very standard fantasy fair stuff. But all of this stuff happened before the show actually begins. We come into the first episode with Freeran and everyone celebrating that the Demon King has died. And Freeran, because she's an elf and is long lived, is like, all right, peace out, y'all. I'll see y'all in another like 50 years or so when this comet thing happens again so that we can all hang out and see it together. She comes back in 50 years. Everyone is old except for her because she's an elf. And one of the her band of brothers, let's say, dies. And that's how the story starts. Mm-hmm. So yet another meditation on grief and the passing <laughs> of time. The thing about this story that's really beautiful to me is, again, thinking about the nature of what it means to be human and humanity. We have Fruren, who is this long-lived creature who wants to understand really what it means to be a human, right? Mm -hmm. To have these kinds of ephemeral lives that she can't really put her finger on because she's feeling such a sense of loss over this person that she did not give herself the chance to know because she was like, ah, 50 years is nothing. But to us, to someone in their 30s, 50 years can be like, well, that's it. I'm not here anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So... There's this really beautiful play with the passage of time. Like every time we move into a new sequence or a new story, it tells us in the corner how many years it's been since the hero, Himo, has died. Uh, so now we are 20 year, 29 years past the death of Himo the hero. And Freeren is traveling with two, I'll say young people, but I think by now they're in their like early 20s, like 20, 21. Mm-hmm. Um, Fern, who's another, who's a young mage, a uh, free run is a mage who she's kind of taken on as a tutor, uh, who was an orphan adopted by the priest that she traveled with. And then Stark, who's a young warrior who was in essence adopted by the warrior that was part of free run's party. But dwarves are also long lived. So he's like 300 something, but he's getting up there in dwarf time. So, Freeran, because she wasn't able or didn't build the relationship with her previous party, is now kind of not getting a do-over, right? But is getting the chance to build real, real connections and go on a different adventure with these two young people and kind of being there for them as they grow up. And I think on one hand, there's a sense of beauty to the story because it's post the big fantasy adventure, right? Mm-hmm. We're really dealing with kind of the aftermath and this world of peace. But also there's still like actiony adventure fantasy stuff that happens. Like they had to fight some demons, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like as you do. Sometimes you got to fight a demon. 
And I just find myself crying almost every episode because a lot of the story is told in flashbacks. So mm-hmm. Free Ren, someone will say something and then she'll flash back to a moment from her previous party when Himmel said the same thing. And like, it is so obvious now by this point in the story. And like, this is a spoiler, but not really if you're paying attention, that he was in love with her. And she was just like, I'm an elf. I don't, you know, you're a human, whatever. Um, and it's really touching to kind of see see how much he loved her through her memories because mm-hmm. he's dead. <laughs> and that's that's kind of it. But Oof, right now- it's tough. <laughs> it's, it's tough. But I think the thing that adds an extra level to it is right now they are journeying to quote unquote heaven to speak with the dead. Because she wants ah. to speak with him again. And, like, I know when when we get to that point, it's going to be a wrap for me. I'm going to be crying all over the place. But but because the pacing of the story is so deliberate, like, the journey of it matters. And her relationships to the other characters matters. And how she has changed from relationships that she thought at the time were just ephemeral, were just passing. Like... Mm-hmm. Her initial journey was 10 years long. And they were like, oh, we've been friends for 10 years. And she's like, 10 years is nothing, right? So that refrain keeps coming back to her. Like, oh, those nothing relationships over 10 years, right? So it's just, I think it's really beautiful. As I said, I'm in my my sad era. So like meditations on grief are what I'm all about. And yeah, it's just, it's great. If if you're into fantasy, and also I will say something that's nice is it's not an isekai, right? So it's not mm-hmm. like, oh, I got hit by a truck and now I'm going to be the most powerful warrior in the land. Like, it's a it's a real honest-to-God, like, fantasy story. And not that isekai aren't fantasy, but, like, there are a lot of them and they're everywhere and a lot of them are, are garbage, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what platform is Free Run on? Uh, Free Run's on Crunchyroll. And if you don't have Crunchyroll and you're an anime fan, I don't know what you're doing. You should get Crunchyroll. Um, but it's fantastic. I highly recommend people check it out. And also, did I – I don't know if I said this when we talked – when I talked about it before. But, like, the ending song reliably makes me cry. Like, I'll make it through an episode and be fine. And then it'll start. <laughs> and I'm no, like, no. That's it for you. <laughs> like, they recently changed the ending animation and moved to a different part of the song. And legit, Corinne, when it started, I just, like, exploded in tears. Because the animation was gorgeous. I was just like, it's so sad. She's laying on a gravesite. <sighs> so, anyhow. We're doing well. We're fine. <laughs> I'm totally fine. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a well-adjusted We're definitely not being. focused on these, like, stories after the end of things. That's definitely not a thing that uh, we have. <laughs> I didn't even really make that connection. Uh, here, here after having just finished our PhDs. <laughs> After having finished a journey. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, no. Corinne, you're, like, blowing up my life again. This is like when you told me I was a rep comp scholar and I wasn't prepared for the truth. Like, I'm not ready. <laughs> I mean, you're here with grief and I'm here for revenge, though. So I'm I'm clearly, I don't know if I'm healthier, but I'm at least angrier. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. But you know what? That feels like our dynamic. I'll give it that. Okay. <laughs> It's it's funny. So now, to use that as a weird transition, we've both kind of ended 2023 with stories that are after the end of something, almost in mm-hmm. a way. But now, why don't we look forward to 2024 and things that 
we're hoping will spark joy for us <laughs> as the year goes on. All right. So I will jump in first. Uh, Please. The, the first thing that I am looking forward to will not be a surprise to anyone. Uh, and I'm looking forward to Lost You Forever Season 2. Yeah. Uh, I will say that having any sort of hope about Chinese dramas is often a fool's errand. <laughs> uh, because the rules change about episode length. The rules change about what the censors are going to allow. What kinds of stories are allowed. There's some cousin stuff that might happen that the censors might not be okay with. Uh Everyone has, all of the actors have to pay their taxes, like, (laughs) anyway. I don't know why that was particularly funny to me. Well, no, for real, there is another sea drama that is, like, ready to go. It's called The Prisoner of Beauty, but the main actress is being prosecuted for not paying her taxes, so now it's probably never going to come out. Oh, no. (laughs) So anyway, I like, I say everyone pay their taxes, and, like, I'm not joking. But anyway, I loved Lost You Forever Season 1. Yep. And I am cautiously optimistic about Lost You Forever Season 2 because it's this, you know, it's the same writer. They filmed it at the same time. I have such faith in this cast. Mm, uh, and I mm-hmm. hope we get something even remotely satisfying to wrap up. What was already a very, very beautiful Season 1. No, yeah. I mean, not to jump on yours, but like, I'm looking forward to Season 2 because I, I need to know what happens. I need to know how it ends. Mm-hmm. And also, we need to record, what, five episodes about it? So, like, you know. <laughs> Hopefully that comes out. So, <laughs> continuing, because that, that's going to be a lot. I know it's going to be a lot, and I know we'll be crying about it, or at least I will. But continuing my <laughs> trend of crying, something that I discovered a little while ago. Well, this was actually the Instagram algorithm doing a good thing. I received a video of Anderson Cooper talking to uh, Stephen Colbert, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, what's this video? Click on it. And they were having a conversation about grief and about loss. And I was like, whoa, was not expecting that. Really poignant, crying over an Instagram video. And it turns out it's actually a podcast. It's called um, All There Is. And it's Anderson Cooper's podcast. I'm late to the game. They're actually already on season three. It started this year. But what this podcast is, is a couple years ago, I think before the pandemic, Anderson Cooper's mother passed. She's a very well-known, very famous lady, Gloria Vanderbilt. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he was not, because of the pandemic and other things, able to get to her apartment to clean it out. And episode one of this podcast is him going to his mother's apartment to start the cleaning out process. And I was, it's weird to say, but I was hooked because it is such an, the way it creates connectivity, human connectivity was really poignant for me because even though I've been talking about it this entire podcast episode, grief is not something that we have a lot of conversations about kind of just out in the open Mm -hmm. right it it almost feels like unless you are grieving right or have gone through something almost like a dirty topic to talk about with other people like no one wants to hear about how sad you are right or how you're constantly carrying a certain kind of sadness around like low-key this actually happened yesterday I was at a, a friend's birthday party and she brought out a drink that reminded me of my mom and I said oh my mom used to buy that all the time that reminds me of her 
And one of my close friends was like, and and, and it was funny because I was like, not in a sad way, but kind of in a sad way. And he was like, yeah, like a happy sadness, right? Mm-hmm. Or like a, a happy pain or some, something like that. And then someone else there was like, what? What do you mean? That doesn't make sense. And I didn't want to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> so I just kind of let it go, you know? Um. So the fact that this podcast is all about this thing that and i forgot who said this it might have been in episode 2 or episode 3 that like if we're all lucky to live long enough to experience we'll experience right mm-hmm. and cuz like the only people who don't experience grief are the people who don't live long enough to experience it right yeah so i've only listened to 3 episodes so far the first one was anderson cooper and one of his mother's friends like in the apartment and he was like i don't know if i can deal with this and she was like well you know you deal with what you can and it will be there you know, for you to try to deal with later. The second was with Stephen Colbert, who apparently, I did not know this, but lost, when he was 10 years old, his father and two brothers died in a plane crash. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he was just talking about, like, how that impacted him and his family and his outlook on life and death and all this kind of stuff. And then the third episode um, is with a doctor who does palliative care. Mm -hmm. And who had a particular kind of loss in his life as well. And he and Anderson Cooper kind of talking about that certain kind of loss, but also how being a doctor who works with folks who are dying Mm -hmm. impacts how he thinks about all of this stuff. So that's only as far as I've gotten, but like I, I mainlined three episodes (laughs) while making dinner one night. Uh, And I don't think it's the kind of thing that I'm like, ah, yes, I'm now going to binge listen to this conversation about grief. (laughs) I don't think I can do that. But I'm glad to know that it's still ongoing. And I'm looking forward to continuing listening to it because it's kind of a nice reminder of what it means to be connected to other human beings. Right? I feel like there's a lot of a lot of division, let's just say that is existing in life right mm-hmm. now, culturally, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it was just listening to it, I felt connected to people that I had never, that I don't know, right, by this experience that we share and just being surprised at the way that they were feeling about things. I'm like, oh, yeah, I I know what that means. I've done that before. I know exactly what you're talking about. So, yeah, all there is. Uh, with Anderson Cooper is excellent. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm listening to it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, but it's sad and poignant and great. And, <laughs> you know, it's nice to know that other people cry about things <laughs> on right. their podcasts. So that's that's me. <laughs> All right. Really quickly, something else that I'm looking forward to in 2024 is. The- Please say it's happy. I hope it's happy. I don't. So I don't know that much about it. Um, oh, I've no. just seen a little buzz about it. It's a Korean drama called Jongyeon, uh, J-E-O-N-G-N-Y-E-O-N in the Englishization of it. It stars Kim Tae-ri, who is in The Handmaiden, 2521, Mr. Sunshine. Uh, she's one of my very, very favorite actresses. And she also has a history of playing characters that are a little bit sapphic, uh, which should come in handy for this drama. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's it's based on a webtoon that I haven't read. It doesn't have an official English translation, but it is apparently mm. about this woman in the 1950s in South Korea, so like immediately following the Korean War, 
who goes to the city and joins a women's theater troupe and has some lesbian things happen to her that they that apparently the drama makers have confirmed they're going to keep in the drama. So I'm really excited about it. I'm sorry. I'm crying up. It has some lesbian things happen to her. Like, I hope she's a willing and active participant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I really I really don't know anything about it aside from that, but I saw some buzz about it. And I really, really like Kim Tae-ri's work a lot. So I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to it. I'm just laughing because I'm like, that's how you get out of trouble. Like, oh, no, I just had some lesbian things happen to me. Like, I wasn't, it just happened, you know. <laughs> All right. And what else are you looking forward to, Ayani? Besides the lesbian things happening to Kim Terry. Um, so, because I am also looking forward to this drama. When you show me about it, it seemed really interesting. So the last thing that I'm going to pull is another thing where I am late to the party. I guess my whole year was me being late to the party, but that's totally fine. We were behind. Uh, we were in graduate school for a long time. We have some well, catching up to do. I mean, fair, but this also came out last year, so this is just me. I have I have no real excuse. Um, but Baldur's Gate 3 was like the game of the year. Everyone has been talking about it. There's been videos and things and all this kind of stuff. But... I haven't really been playing video games recently. It just hasn't been how I've wanted to spend my time, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because, like, you know, since I was a kid, games have been kind of a part of my pastime, how I like to spend time. But that just hasn't been it. I don't know if this was, like, going through the dissertation, just how I want to meet her at my time. I just haven't really been gaming. But Baldur's Gate 3 seemed like the kind of thing that I would really love, except that I didn't really want to put in the effort to learn how to do it. However... I was hanging out with my friend Libby and she was like, I'll play and you can just tell me what to do. And I was like, that's excellent. That's what I want to do. And then they convinced me to get the game. So (laughs) what's happening is that me, my homie Libby and my homie Ryan are doing a Dungeons and Dragons style like thing where we all get on the game and play it together. So rather than it just being, yeah. Um, so I get to go through the story, I get to experience all the characters and do all the fighting, but it becomes a communal activity, so it's not just me being like, I guess I'll play today, or not. So I'm really excited to experience Baldur's Gate 3, even though I've seen some of it, I know some of the storyline, watching other people play, I'm excited to play for myself, and I made a half-elf, and her face is really sad, so I think I need to change her face, because every time she's on the screen, I'm like, oh baby, what did... (laughs) <laughs> what happened what, to you what happened to you Why maybe she's so really sad she's uh, she's having some grief maybe she's having some grief right yeah i just <laughs> i imprinted on her um but yeah i'm dying a lot but it's fun we're having a good time so i'm i'm looking forward to playing Baldur's gate D style with my homies because as stated at the beginning of this episode i am dork but also like i got my phd in comic books like we know i'm a dork it's fine it is what it is. This, this is no, this is canon. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is established canon. No one is surprised. But yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to be playing a video game. Whew, this has been a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> but why don't we round out our conversation, since we're forward thinking right now, with some pop culture resolutions and predictions. So this is something that we've started doing in our What's Sparking Joy roundups for the year. And one, it's fun to go back and look at what we thought we were going to do, right, now that we're at the end of the year, but also to put our hope forward into the future, 
uh, or, I mean, you did hope last time. Last time I was like, I would be tired. But <laughs> we put our thoughts forward into the future and see what we actually end up doing. So, Corinne, <laughs> you had a pretty, it was both difficult and simple prediction last year. Yeah. So last year I said, I think if I remember correctly, I was like, I only have one goal. It is to graduate. <laughs> I'm not putting any other pressure on myself. That is the only goal that I have. And I did it. So, yay me. Success. Nothing to do with pop culture, but I did graduate. No, hold on. Hold on. Your dissertation is about young adult fantasy. That's true. That is very pop culture-y. Yes. Let's not sell yourself short. But congratulations again, Dr. Matthews. Thank Done you. It. Uh, what was your prediction, Ayani, and did it come true? So my prediction was that I might burn out on Marvel and Marvel properties by the end of the year, and I was correct by half. Mm -hmm. So I did go see Marvel movies, but I think movies require less commitment than TV shows. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I actually watched any of the Marvel TV shows that came out last year all the way through. Um I don't didn't even think watch. I can tell you which ones came out. I'm yeah. so out of it. I didn't watch Secret Invasion, which I heard was bad. And my dad told me it was bad. So I'm like, eh. I watched one episode of Loki and haven't really gone back to that. Um, I have watched What If, but I think What If is one of my favorite things to come out of Marvel TV. Mm -hmm. Like the Marvel Disney well, and, Plus and it's TV. More, from what I understand of What If, like I've only really, I think, watched one episode. But it's you can watch an episode in isolation and it doesn't have yeah. the same kind of pressure. Yeah, absolutely. And also it's animated and it's fun and it's like alternative storylines, alternative mm -hmm. universes. So like, you know, it's the kind of thing that's right up my alley. So yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of tired, but also I'm kind of tired more than anything of the the discourse because I saw yeah. for example The Marvels and it was fun. It was a good movie. I enjoyed it. Was it perfect? No. Was it Schindler's List? No. Was it the best movie to ever exist? No. Was it fun? Did I have a good time? Yes. Yes. And there was so much discourse about how it was the worst movie ever and all this kind of nonsense. And it's just like, it's so, it's so tiring. Yeah. Like the, the payoff isn't enough for like all of that for me anymore. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to keep watching. Um, and, you know, especially because a certain actor had to go and be a fuck. I don't know what's going to happen with the rest of, you know, this, this the, phase the or what it's building yeah. to. So, so we'll see. I don't know. I, I, I think I was right. I think I'm kind of burnt out. I think I'll go see movies when I want to see them. But like, you know, I think I don't have to have the same dedicated devotion to yeah, properties. there's not the same it, it maybe is potentially liberating to not have the same kind of pressure to be like a completist yeah. when it comes mm, to marvel mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and be like i'll tune in when i want to and not mm -hmm. when i don't right exactly like will i go see spider-man movies probably i like them spiders i think they're fun you know but do i have to see another ant-man movie no i don't know i like paul rudd though he is delightful he is delightful okay yeah, I don't want to get into a Marvel hole either. <laughs> no, but no. So yeah, I was right. <laughs> All right. So shifting then, hopefully, to something a little bit more optimistic. So like what goals and predictions we have for this mm. year. I'll go first since I've been going first. Might as well. Uh, yeah. Consistency. Mine, mine are not so much 
goals as hopes. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that it'll be a good K-drama th- year this year. Because uh, last year, C-dramas kind of took over for me. And C-dramas are, as established, a lot. Uh, so I'm cautiously optimistic for maybe some good K-dramas to come around. <laughs> And I am also hopeful that I will remember how to read. I believe in you. You read a book last year. I did. Well, I'm going to hit the year mark from graduating this summer. And I hear that's about when people start remembering how to read books. So mm-hmm. I am hoping that might be the case for me. I believe in you. Cheering you on. Read My mom books, has Corinne. been like buying me books and being like, let's go to the bookstore. I'll buy you books. Like you should read again. It's like. This is a lot of pressure, mom. <laughs> like, I have a bookshelf of, like, books. That's, like, these are books that I, like, want to read. And I look at them and I'm, like, or I could watch a C-drama. And I do that instead. <laughs> I mean, no judgment. I will say what got me back into reading books was audiobooks. So mm. I listened to them. And then there was a book that I wanted that there wasn't an audiobook. So I got the book. And then I read it. <laughs> amazing how that works (laughs) words on the page so like you know maybe you need a a segue a segue material but for me my (laughs) isn't really a goal either of mine i'm inspired by corinne and her dutiful tracking of k and c dramas (laughs) but also the fact that we keep doing these episodes and i forget (laughs) what i've seen over the course of the year i'm tracking all of the media that I'm in taking over the year. So not including music because I listen to too much of it mm. constantly all the time, but story-driven narrative stuff I'm tracking. And this is in part just out of a curiosity to see like what what am I in taking over the year? What don't I remember? But also I'm curious and I guess what we'll find out in our 2025 episode Oof. is which of my categories yeah right um but which of my categories end up being the thickest yeah. so like right now webtoons is massive but that's because i'm reading like 20 ongoing webtoons right mm-hmm. and since they only update once a week they're going to be ongoing for a while but you know is tv going to surpass that am i going to see a lot of movies right am i is my book stack going to explode and be like wow i read five books this year you know what i mean so so not to how how are you going to keep track of them cuz i keep track of k dramas and c dramas in two different notes on my notes app on my phone well, what is the mechanism ayani is going to use here oh so ayani is using her notes app all right um because it's on me constantly and i'll always have it and right now i have categories so film tv books comics web comics webtoons podcasts and then there was one other that i think i needed to add and surprisingly i haven't read any like comics i've gotten comics and i have comics around but i haven't read any um that's for you still yeah maybe but you know i've already got two books and tv's list is growing so yeah, I'm I'm just curious to see what this ends up looking like at the end of the year. Um, and I'm excited to report back next time we do this. So that has been a lot of joy and grief and revenge, revenge. <laughs> and cautious <laughs> optimism. I think those are the words that I'm coming away with. <laughs> but I'm really glad that we do these because I enjoy both seeing where our media tastes differ 
mm-hmm. over the years because, you know, so much of the podcast is things that we're watching and doing together. So mm-hmm. I think this episode is a really nice way to be like, here are things that I appreciated that we didn't necessarily get to unpack, but that we think are valuable pieces of media. However, we've got a whole year coming up of content and stuff that we watch (laughs) and plans um, that we watch and talk about together. So, Corinne, you want to tell the people some of the things we have on the docket? Yeah. So two of the things coming up, first of all, is an episode on the Broadway musical Hades Town, which uh, I saw with Ayani and Andrew, the spouse of the show. Uh, (laughs) When I visited them before Christmas. I'm also going to see it again. Uh, the, the the traveling one is coming to Jacksonville. The touring cast really? is coming to Jacksonville. Oh, so awesome. I'm excited to see it. I've been obsessed with it for a long time. Uh, Ayani is newly introduced to it, so I think it'll be interesting to talk about. And we are also going to do an episode on everyone's favorite topic, uh, divorce. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually really excited about this episode. <laughs> Uh, we've been watching, for some reason, a lot of divorce comedies, <laughs> which is a genre that I am extremely interested in because that seems like it should be an oxymoron. And yet, we keep yeah. finding more of them. Yeah. And they're good? Like, compelling. Yeah. So, so some of the shows we might talk about, if you feel like checking them out, if you would also like to laugh about divorce, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh the one is the Japanese drama Let's Get Divorced, uh, the Korean drama Doctor Cha, those are both on Netflix, and the Korean drama Strangers Again, which is on Vicky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a movie that we might watch also. Yeah. But I don't remember the name of it. So. So those are two of the things that we have coming up. I know Corinne and I have a lot of plots and plans, and we're really excited just to see how 2024 comes together for us. But also, we would love to hear from you all. Let us know what you think we should record an episode on. We did one last year on Rinko-san Wants to Try, which was such, like, it came from left field for us, but I think it was such a good episode to do, Mm -hmm. and we were really grateful to the listener that recommended that. So let us know what you think we should tackle in 2024 and more broadly let us know what media you enjoyed in 2023 and what are you looking forward to in 2024 we would like to know yes let us know so you can do that in a variety of places you can let us know on instagram you can email us if you wanted to but (laughs) we also have our tumblr now so you can let us know at sex love lit podcast for the tumblr and everywhere else on social media at sex love lit and let us know what you think of our new logo Oh yeah. I really I really want to know about that. I'm going to be posting like reels on Instagram and stuff because like I want I want your feedback. But more than anything I want your praise. So Yeah, cuz we're know. we're committed now. <laughs> so tell me you love it. Pat my head and call me a good girl and we'll just leave it at that. But no, thank you so much for listening. This has been Sex Love Literature. You all are great and we'll see you next time. Bye.